Hello and welcome to The Inner Gamer, episode 106. We are your weekly dose of video game news, reviews, opinions, and discussions. My name is Brett Yanoski. I'm Devin Duree. And I'm Luis Gonzalez. Today on The Inner Gamer, we're going to dive into, well, I'm the only one who dove into games this week. The other two just kind of... Luis dove into games. Well, I played games. Okay, Luis played games. He didn't play anything new. I played new games and you didn't play anything. Well, the last... You didn't play anything. Just admit it. I played something new. You so, yeah. just admit that you didn't play anything. I didn't play anything. Okay, thank you. Uh, we also talk about our gaming news this week, which features a lot of updates from CES 2017, also the new Overwatch update, and some fun stuff from GTA and Steam. In addition, we are going to dive into our discussion topic of video games and education. Can it be done? Where is it at? What's the future? What's the good and the bad and the ugly? And with that, we're going to dive in. Brett, cue the music! Welcome to the And we're back, everybody. Welcome back to another podcast. It's it's the second episode of 2017. Woo-hoo. Pretty exciting. We're still Are here. Are you going to keep saying that after every episode? Exactly. This is the 52nd episode <laughs> of 2017. <laughs> That's not a bad idea, actually. Let's do that. So no. One of our top comments when we finally start episode. getting them. Our top comments when we finally start getting them are going to be people saying, uh, could Brett stop saying it's the 787th episode <laughs> after 2017? Can we Can we do that? Can we stop Man, that, please? That'd be crazy. Someone needs to make a compilation of all the times Brett says, and we're back. And we're back. I think that'd be a great, <laughs> great. Uh, you think that'd be a good YouTube? That'd be a yeah, great thing EDM, EDM song. You know, like mix it up with some cool dubstep the, and stuff going on. That would be on terrible. That no, would be awesome. Yeah. No, no everyone like, would leave the club after that. Like, it would go up, 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 and we're back. Boom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well. So anyway, guys. Yeah. Let's talk know. about some video games. I've. <laughs> Played nothing. Oh, you this played week. nothing, didn't you? Yeah, it's really sad. Yeah. I feel well, nothing bad. new. Yeah, nothing yeah. new. I got re addicted to Overwatch. I, I've bad. literally played nothing this week. You didn't play a single game? I played zero minutes of video games in the last week. Wow. wow. It's been a miserable week of miserable. You're minutes. not even qualified is, to be on this podcast right now. Not right now. No. Not right now. You're not. I'm just here to listen and ask questions. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, Louise, you played some games, you revisited some old games. Yeah, I uh, got re-addicted to Overwatch. I realized that I missed something in my life, and it was Overwatch. <laughs> and yeah. uh, back into competitive Rocket League again, continue to play some more Stardew Valley. I'm waiting for the new update for Dishonored, but nothing new. At least not yet. Speaking of Stardew Valley, if you guys haven't checked out our new blog yet at TheInnerGamer.net, Mr. Luis Gonzalez wrote a very lovely prose piece about Stardew Valley. So go yeah. check it out. It was really beautiful, man. Like I, I, I've read it probably like six times now, and every time I'm like, God, that's so damn well written. Yeah, it's weird. It was weird. I was just kind of sitting here drinking a bottle of scotch, not just a glass, <laughs> a bottle. I'm like, what is wrong with my life? I was playing Stardew Valley, just kind of sobbing to myself, and <laughs> out pops this awesome little poem. But thank you guys. You should check it out. We all yeah. wrote a piece. It's theintergamer.net backslash read. Yeah, and you yep. can find all of our pieces there, and they're okay. awesome. And those yeah, are going to be coming out on the reg. Oh yeah, we have another one coming up Wednesday from me. I don't know what it's about yet, but you will know on Wednesday <laughs> when it's posted. The anticipation that. is killing me. It's so, fine. Awesome, <laughs> nice. So Devin, you played. Uh, I did play some, some games. games. I did. I, 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 I as wanna, mentioned, 
I want to hear about the old school one. Well, yeah. They're both old school ones. They're both guess, old school. <laughs> well, one's well, more old school than the other. Okay. Okay. So let me dive into the most recent, at least. Um, okay. I finally got to get into my library of games from uh, the PSN network for the free-to-play uh, games over the month. And I got the Resident Evil remaster. And I have to say, um, the game has aged very well, um, aside from the inventory which can eat it. it. It can just bite the biggest piece of my ass ever because I hate the inventory system. Aside from that, the game is great. Uh, if For anybody who hasn't played it before, it is uh, Resident Evil, the very first one. I think this is probably the third time they've remastered the first Resident Evil, or the I guess the second time they've the third time they've released it. There's the original okay. release back on the uh, PlayStation 1. Then they did a GameCube uh, re-release with updated graphics. And then now on the PSN. And it holds up. It's a lot of fun. It's your same going into the Raccoon City mansion and f- shooting at zombies and solving puzzles and inventory management and giant sharks in a laboratory for whatever reason because that was something that was weird (laughs) seriously when i got to the sharks part for the first time i was like what are sharks doing in a mansion what's going on well if you have enough money to have a mansion surely you're gonna put sharks in that bitch i would (laughs) that's that's just something people do is they they just put sharks in their giant mansion it's like the ultimate show of power look at all the (laughs) evil villains and everything ever (laughs) There's always some giant sharks. exotic fish aquarium, and next to it, the giant shark tank. Or like crocodiles or something yeah, some, like that. Yeah, some sort of weird exotic animal that you're like, you shouldn't have that. And they're like, I know, but it's whatever. So question for you. Yeah. They obviously released this in preparation for Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. Yes. In an attempt to get people back into the Resident Evil groove. Yeah. Are you back in the Resident Evil groove, or oh, you never certainly. really were, or are you not looking forward um, to Resident I'll, Evil? I'll, I'll be the first to admit that I played the first two Resident Evils very religiously. I loved them. They were great survival horror games to me. They really captured the fear aspect of walking through halls, and yes, maybe the loading screens would be annoying to some people with those doors always opening and then you walking through them, but I loved it. It was a great moment of suspense that you always just held your breath Maybe, oh, what's going to be behind this door? It could be something new. And after that, I didn't get into um, Resident Evil 4. Sorry. I know that was like one of the most popular Mm -hmm. ones out there. Mm -hmm. Um, I played Resident Evil 5, which was fun, but way out of the wheelhouse of what I remembered Resident Evil being. It wasn't 5, the one where they went kind of first-person shooter. Not first-person shooter. Third-person over the shoulder. Yeah. 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 They're like a, a Chris Redfield's in Africa with uh, I can't even remember that character's name. She's that forgettable. Yeah. Um. But it, it just it was so. It was like a bon, it was like a Bond movie with extra the cheese level just cranked up. Yeah. Even more. It was just not very good. Dang. But I rediscovered my passion for Resident Evil by playing the remastered version again. It's That's good. it's been it's been a lot of fun to it's a trip down memory lane. Mm-hmm. Uh sitting there thinking, Oh man, I remember the first time I had to sit there and scrounge for bullets because I was just shooting every last zombie until I 
you know, grew up and thought, maybe I could just run past them. And I did. <laughs> I would run past zombies more than I shot them. And I was like, no, excuse me. Excuse me, sir. No, no, no. Get out of my way. Excuse me. No, no. Excuse me. Get out of my way. I have puzzles <laughs> we to should, solve, sir. We should do a Let's Play of the kitchen. <laughs> you know what? Let's do it. Why not? Why don't you do that Thursday? <laughs> I might. There we go. Oh, Wait, that would that. be insane. That'll be fun. It's Amazing. a free demo. Uh, they have a VR component, I think, on every. Oh yeah, that's VR right. Headset. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I could handle that. <laughs> what the uh, the the VR portion of it? Psst, no. <laughs> you just admitting now, like, no, I'm dumb. Yeah, dumb way too much of a scary stuff. Baby back bitch for that. I know. Seriously. Speaking of which, you know it's really ironic. So we have a uh, those of you guys that don't know, we have a meetup coming up January thirteenth mm. at Community Brewery in Dallas on Friday the thirteenth. I feel like oh, shit. we need a I don't know, we need something scary or weird or crazy going on. Well someone should just dress up. I'll I can do my Joker cosplay. Dude, you should and, do that. I mean that'd I be can. pretty awesome actually. That'd be pretty sick. <laughs> Friday the thirteenth, Joker shows up. Oh man. Oh man. Oh man. Oh man. Then we got like Freddy Krueger on the other side of the room and I mean, Joe's got a lot of like horror stuff. I'm, I'd, I'd imagine he's yeah. probably got some scary games. Uh, the Nerd Sloth team is going to be there joining us as well, so I yeah. imagine it's going to be pretty. That'll be fun. Look at that. Anyway, so that's uh, that's it for my Resident Evil playthrough, and then I also got to play. This one was very near and dear to my heart, which is why I beat it, beat it? <clears throat> in, a, in a day. How long was it? Six hours. Holy crap, <laughs> dude! I powered through it. Uh, I played Day of the Tentacle. Um, this was an original release from Lucas Films, or from Lucas Games, excuse me. Arts. Lucas Arts Games, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> it's just Lucas Third Arts. Time. Third time's a charm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from uh, Lucas Arts, I think in its original, the original Maniac Mansion came out on the NES in 1987. They then they then came out with this sequel called Day of the Tentacle in 1998, I believe, 98 okay. or 97, some somewhere around that time. And it's this a weird was, yeah, I know name change. <laughs> well, it's a standard point and click computer adventure game. So by point and click is you play this character and you have all your commands listed at the bottom as in push, pull, open, close, give, use. Uh, walk just these weird obscure commands and you have to interact with the level and you run your mouse over things like you know a, a dime on the floor and you have to walk over to it then you have to hit the pickup command then you click on the dime and he picks up the dime and it follows these three friends uh bernard hoagie and laverne <laughs> where those names come from Dude, shut That's up. That's amazing. <laughs> Fucking amazing. It's Bernard Hoagie and La- Laverne. Laverne. Yeah. Um, a crazy purple tentacle is trying to take over the world, and okay. you have you to start stop with that, him. Now the names make sense. Yeah. Yeah. A crazy purple tentacle is trying to take over the world, and the scientist who created this said tentacle has to stop him, so he sends all of you through a time machine to go back in time and stop him. Unfortunately, the time machine breaks, and one of you gets sent to the future, one of you gets sent to the past, and one of you stays in the present, and you have to essentially... Get everybody back to the present and stop the purple tentacle. I'm really glazing over the story, <laughs> <laughs> but 
Uh, rest assured, the game was uh, very fun. They've added some very cool remastered touches to it, so it looks nice, crisp, and clean. And they actually, uh, on it, since it's on the uh, PlayStation controller, if you hit the pad in the middle, it will actually revert back to the old 8-bit graphics uh, that it had, so you can see what it looked like before. Right. And then... Uh, Go back to where it is now, and it's it's fun. It's huh. standard puzzle. It, the reason I, I why I finished it so quickly is because I've played it before, and I've, I've again I'm taking a trip down memory lane. Did they change up anything during the course of it? Or was it basically the same game just re, redone? I don't know if this was in the original game because it was so long ago for me. But yeah. there's a uh, one of the characters, one of the one of the uh, NPC characters that is in there. Um, he's a computer nerd. And he has an old MS-DOS command computer in the background. And I don't remember interacting with it in the original game, but I did a, in the, on this, on this uh, remaster. And it actually plays the original Maniac Mansion from the NES. That's cool. And so That's I, crazy. Yeah, I started playing the original NES uh, so Maniac like Mansion. I was like, oh my god, there's a game within a game here, and it's the full game. Like it's the full, it's the full run of it. That's like our Frog Fractions talk last week of the game within a game. Now yeah. here we, we go this week. We got, got, a, got it the same thing. It's a trend, guys. Well, I mean, if if they were looking to, I mean, it's it was a free game, so I got exactly what I paid for. But I mean, this is a huge bonus to have some real nostalgia nuggets kind of hidden within. So it's a lot of fun. Um, I highly suggest playing them. Dig all around on both games. So play them. They're fun. And like you said, Louise, Resident Evil will definitely get you back into the Resident Evil mood of the survival horror genre. So when Biohazard comes out, people will be scared shitless. Did you notice some dated controls with Resident Evil Remastered? Or did it feel... Surely. Yeah. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. I mean... We we've grown leaps and bounds from, from from that day to this. Now a better question: How does it compare to the Last Guardian? Uh, <laughs> well, there are no bird dogs. Yeah, I mean, just in terms there of are, there are no bird dogs in it. But as far as just general controls, amazingly, Resident Evil's a little bit smoother. But that's just because the <laughs> kid in, in Last Guardian's a little clumsy. So, yeah, man, both cameras suck because it's fixed cameras in Resident Evil. Okay. So whenever you move, if like the angle, if you're you're in the same room, like where the dining area is at, if you move across the dining table, it will change cameras perspectives, and you have to change the way you're controlling the character. So you could be like running along oh, it and I then see, run yeah. into the wall yeah. as soon as the camera uh, as soon as the camera changes perspective. So it it can make it a little frustrating. That, that's how Chronos uh, is on yeah. Oculus Rift. Mm. Which is weird because you're in VR and you're at a fixed camera position on the side of the room. And yeah, you control these things around, but then you go this way and it like flips things backwards. And I'm like, this is weird. Yeah, it's a li- it's, it can be frustrating. Yeah. Okay. So cool. So two games, though, two digs <laughs> Resident Evil, Day of the Tentacle. Play them if you haven't tried them. Yeah, please do. Check it out. Day of the Tentacle is free right now on the PlayStation Plus store. Yes. So that's good. Resident Evil was a previous free game, right? Yeah, it was one of the yeah. previous. I, I, as I mentioned in the last couple of podcasts, I've been really looking to get into my library. See, that's what I, I feel like I, I have, need to do. Yeah. Is like every month, just like go in there, just download this stuff. Yeah, you know, I never know. It's, they've, and they've they've literally all been sitting in my download queue, just like waiting to be played. So I'm, yeah. I finally 
got it. I was like, all right, I'm doing this. I'm tackling some of these games because I, I, I see the titles, and every time I see them, I'm like, I want to play these. Yeah. Why am I not playing them? So, cool. Yeah. Well, shall we take a break and then talk about some video game news? Small break. We got some big news coming up. Do we? News from around the world. Hit the stop button, please. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. Welcome back, everybody, to our gaming news. Here we are. A lot's happened this week. What? I said I've been doing this since we did this from the break. Oh, yeah, that's right. A lot's happened this week, such <laughs> lot, as actually. there is nothing coming out next week with video games. So we're yeah. going to move right on from that into our first big, huge news story. Last week was CES 2017. For Ooh. those that don't know what CES is, it's the Consumer Electronics Show where they announce all kinds of big, exciting electronic products for the world to just awe in. $9,000 laptops, projector screens that blow your mind. <laughs> And then some some tech stuff that, on your feet that lets you kick stuff. Yes, there's some tech out there that I'm not necessarily sure should have been made. Yep. Yeah, like a blender that's also a car. I mean, sure. Dude, that, that, happened. that happened too. That. A blender that was also a car. That's sick. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Is this Back it to the really Future? <laughs> right. It's 2017. Um, new Year, new us. Yeah. So a lot of stuff came out. Uh, most of it was not necessarily gaming related, but a few things are related to video games. And we're going to run through some of our highlighted items that we saw. One of those is a $9,000 laptop. Who, who <laughs> makes that? Who makes a 9K laptop? Acre does. Okay. No, Acer. Acker. A- Acer. Acer. I'm pretty sure that's Acer. No, I know it's Acer. <laughs> Come on, Sorry. I just had to. Come, I just had to do that because I thought it'd be funny. Just PC to say. Master crap, PC Master race, whatever. Um, so Acer brought out a laptop. It is a lot of money, nine thousand dollars, more than the MacBook Pro, which is crazy. It's a twenty-one inch curved screen with twenty-five sixty by ten eighty resolution, and you get Nvidia graphics sixty-four. Oh my gosh! Holy crap! 64 gigabytes of memory and up to four 512 gigabytes solid state drives. Basically, it's a Ferrari. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Look, I, I get this. I get it. But do you? I, I don't. don't. I, don't. I don't. I don't get it. I don't understand. Who decided to build this? Acer. Okay. You keep saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about the guy at Acer who, was, who had to be the one going, you know what would be a great idea? Someone give me $9,000 real quick. Well, what's really cool, though, is it's got eye tracking technology, which I remember the division talking about this, but I don't know if anybody's ever implemented it because you need a tool to do it, but this has yeah. eye tracking in it. So you can like look around and identify or aim at stuff just by looking at it. You can use your eyeballs to like shoot lasers out at stormtroopers. What? Yeah. It's amazing. So apparently 45 games are going to support that. But it's also very strong and heavy, which, I mean, I feel like it should be ultra durable because it's a $9,000 laptop. (laughs) So if you drop this thing on the floor and it breaks, like, 
Oh, there goes my nine thousand dollars. It's nine thousand dollar cheeseburgers. That's like a hundred playstations or something. It's a ridiculous amount for a laptop, but I think the whole point is to future proof whoever buys it. Sixty four gigs of RAM is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. I thought thirty two was crazy, but now they're throwing sixty four. I think what it is, it's more of a proof of concept. Like, hey, this can be built, and then here's a technology for it. Now let's make stuff that's in the middle. And it's going to be even cheaper. So next, we're going to see like a $3,000 laptop with like 32 gigs of RAM. And that would be pretty sweet. I don't know, man. This thing better do my laundry or something. Yeah, or I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm down with that. So speaking of laptops that do your laundry, this one does not. But <laughs> <laughs> what a way to make a segue. <laughs> but it is pretty pr- freaking sweet. Razer announces a triple monitor gaming laptop. This is a Started laptop. Started to look like a triple monitor. No, no, no one. Oh, oh, no. No, no triple rainbow. <laughs> triple oh, rainbow. No. That's funny. I saw that. There actually is rainbow colors on the screen, so that's kind of cool. So Razer <laughs> announced a new laptop that is a 17-inch laptop. However, when you open it, you can expand it outwards to reveal... Not just one monitor, not just two monitors, but three full monitors, all supporting 4K resolution, which is nuts. Yeah. Absolutely nuts. Like, I could just imagine sitting in Starbucks with this thing and people would be like bumping into me. Well, like, with here's my the thing. Like, like, you just said, like, if I were that guy at Starbucks, just be like, oh, okay, another guy working on his laptop at Starbucks. Haha, very cliche. And then you extend two extra monitors outward. I'm like, okay, you need to get the fuck out, like, now. It's a conversation starter for sure. It, is it? <laughs> is it a conversation starter? Yeah, that's how you meet women at Starbucks. Exactly. Check out my yeah, beast of a laptop. Oh, my God. <laughs> the first person who uses that in class is going to be the greatest person ever. You're right. They're just, they're just like, mm-hmm. Fucking morphs into this crazy thing. <laughs> I do think it's very interesting. It is in the same chassis as the Razer Blade Pro, which is a very good laptop that uh, Razer makes. Also, you spelled the Razer wrong in the show notes, and that's upsetting. That's okay. But three screens, again, very extravagant. Don't think anyone is going to going to buy this especially because laptops that are that size it's a pretty thin laptop considering it has three screens with it i think it's 12 pounds or something like that or 12 nine pounds. pounds yep 12 pounds it's ridiculous man it's huge absolutely but, huge. Uh, i'll let you know what it's like when i buy it so <laughs> okay cool that sounds good i'm very excited i'll be about all that. over it um in addition to that dell also announced an 8k computer monitor they have a 4k but now there's an 8K. So if you guys just bought a 4K TV, sorry, that's not cool You've anymore. You've wasted your money. It's not cool anymore. It's not it's cool anymore. It's now. all about 8K now. So this 8K TV or monitor, I keep saying monitor. It's actually a it's our TV. It's actually a monitor. It is 32 inches, 8K. It sports over a billion colors with 33.2 million pixels of resolution, which makes it better than the 5K iMac Retina display, obviously. But, of course, it's going to be expensive, $5,000. So it's cheaper than the $9,000 laptop. Just saying. But it's only a screen. But it's this only the, a screen. It's, look, you're, you're, you, we've been listing off some amazing tech specs here with yeah. amazing advancements in the technological world. But this stuff we've been listing off, Sounds like it belongs to someone who has henchmen. This, like this kind of stuff, belongs to someone who is supposed to have like 
a sidekick henchman guy with an eye patch. Or yeah, like sharks in their mansion. Or sharks. <laughs> sharks in their mansion. Oh, God. It is pretty interesting, but it's just... Uh, I love CES for this exact reason. We're here gawking over these things. Very impractical, but they will be, to some extent, practical later. The 8K monitor, it's the first, I'd imagine, or at least one of the first. It's pretty freaking insane. And I think the next one is probably the most insane and the one I'm most excited about, probably. Don't worry. When we get to episode like 300, we'll be sitting here talking like, yeah, you know that 8K monitor? That's such a piece of crap. Man, That's I'm, so old I'm, school. I'm, I'm using my 8K monitor at this point as a paperweight. Jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah. So TVs are also getting better and yep, thinner. Yep. They are indeed. LG announced a less than three millimeter thick television. So thin that you can't put it on a stand. You have to wall mount it because it's just that thin. And all the innards are attached to it or inside of a cable that attaches to the TV. So the TV is just a screen, but you can't fit anything inside of it. So you have to have an attachment to make it happen. But this thing is so thin. It looks awesome. I yeah, want it. Yeah, it looks like a piece of paper with a picture on it. Basically, yeah. I like that a lot. It's crazy how form factor is no longer going to be a thing that is necessary because it's just a screen that you put on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like we're just projecting stuff. Like projectors haven't been doing that for thousands of years. Thousands? Wow. Imagine. <laughs> Imagine that. Be insane. It doesn't say I don't know what this next one is, though. Uh, what is it? NVIDIA GeForce Now. What is that? Oh, yeah. NVIDIA GeForce Now. NVIDIA announced a new service that is basically a streaming service that is kind of like OnLive from way back in the day. I don't know if you guys ever heard about OnLive, but it was around. And then they brought out this service called Gaikai, which is what is now PlayStation now that PlayStation bought and purchased. This is NVIDIA's answer. So what this does is it allows you to have any game that you've purchased on Origin, Steam, wherever, on a PC, you can play that game regardless of the power of the rig that you have. So if you have a super shitty laptop that was purchased 10 years ago, as long as you basically have good internet, you can play Elder Scrolls, Skyrim in 4K, beautiful graphics. Because what it does is it's streaming from a 1080 graphic card enabled computer onto your screen. So, I mean, granted, you got to have a good screen, but this makes it to where you don't have to have like the most, the $9,000 laptop in order to play really awesome games. That's really interesting. So, like, you guys have a computer right now. Yep. I'm sure you have something, right? You, yep. know, you, got, you got a device of some kind. A device. Well, you can get this. You can buy any game you want, and then it'll stream it to that. Now, granted, your internet has to be pretty solid to be able to stream this. They haven't had any tests yet showing how well it transmits the picture. Oh, I'm out then. Thing. Yeah. But if it does do better, I mean, they said they've been working on this for five years, this technology. So if it's actually been worked on well, I mean, you could totally turn your computer into a gaming machine and not have to have a fancy computer to do it. I love this concept, but latency is not going away anytime soon. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. There's going to be latency. We've gotten latency down basically as much as we can. I wonder how they're going to handle that and if that's even possible because... 40, what is it, 40 ms, mi- mi- millimeter, milliseconds, milliseconds, I yeah. think that's what it is. 40 milliseconds is already a little bit noticeable. If you add another 40 because you're streaming, 
and then input lag, uh, that's going to get pretty high up there. It's kind of like the problem with PlayStation Now. Yeah. Uh, there's not a noticeable, like, crazy amount of, of lag, but it's there. So I'm wondering, I love the concept. I think it's probably the coolest thing to come out of this in terms of practicality now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not about to go buy a three millimeter thick LG TV. <laughs> yeah. I would definitely buy this if I if they told me, yeah, don't worry about latency, it's not there. That's freaking awesome. Well, and it sounds like I believe it doesn't cost anything. I believe you just have to have the NVIDIA app installed. And it works on Mac and PC, which is cool too. So if you have a Mac, you can now play a bunch of games that normally aren't fit outfitted for it. But I think it's free. It's just you just set it up and you just you're streaming from a computer. They have a bunch of PCs that run a GTX 1080, and there you go, magic happens. You do need a 25 megabit per second or faster internet connection to make it happen. So if you don't have that, sucks, sucks big time. Up a creek, up a creek. Oh. So yeah. So we got that one, and then the last big thing from CS that we have on our list is the Razer, I believe it's the Ariana Projector, or Project Ariana. This is a device that is a projector that projects towards your TV that is on your wall and expands your screen into the world around you inside your room. So what you're seeing is being projected so you get the feel and epicness of what's going on. It's not crystal clear, but it's got the colors and the lights and everything to make it feel like it's all part of your room, essentially. That's going to be jarring for some people. Yeah, scary. That's a bit scary. Like I think of what games this could be like. I mean, sure, there's going to be something where it's going to be awesome playing like... Holy crap, think about Geometry Wars or... Um, oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Some sort of you know high spectacle and aesthetics game on this, but maybe you can also think about playing a Resident Evil Outbreak on it. See, my thing about this technology, though, is like, is there really a need for this? Because this is more expensive than... I mean, I don't know what the cost is on it. Let me look to see what the cost is. But if it's, if it's any more than $800... Why get this when you can just buy a virtual reality headset? Yeah. And you can be literally surrounded by a picture yeah. and world and everything and be immersed in it where it's beautiful and visual and you know like I I don't I don't get it. It it is a bit odd to me. I mean, I can see the novelty of it, but like you said, if if I'm going to do this, I'm going to just I'm going to go ahead and drop the money on VR. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. maybe people just don't want to have the apparatus strapped to their head. Maybe. I can get that because some people are going to get some vertigo, I assume. Mm. But not me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm going to go for VR over this. Yeah. yeah I, I, mean, don't, I don't really think comparing them is, is really all that fair, honestly, because VR is very different from what this is trying to do, at least from what I'm looking at. But I don't bas- get what it's trying to do. All it is is making... It's making basically the ambiance of the game more apparent to you. A lot of people play games and they don't really like feel like they're really, like we use the word all the time, immersed in the world. I think this is a very interesting way to try and do that. I don't know if you opened the article, but there's a lot of really cool photos of what this might look like. Oh, and yeah, and no, I'm looking at it. I mean, it's cool, it, but it, I'm just like, once it gets past the picture of the screen itself, it just gets all fuzzy and... Not as clear. I mean, it's a 4K projector, so they've done as much as they can, but 
mean, yeah, that's neat with the lights and stuff. And it's cool for like a social experience. If you have people over that, I think that would be really nice, but still, I mean, this is trying to get to the feel of you're surrounded by this world. VR does that better in every possible way. Yeah, but, but the difference is in VR, you can't play a game or you can't play a first person shooter like a Call of Duty in VR right now. I yeah. think eventually you might be able to. But the idea is that not that you can see 360 degrees around you and be able to interact with everything. I think it's just more of a, hey, we're going to expand your screen outside the bounds of what the actual screen is just so you can feel like you're more within the world. Imagine if you're running through the forest in, I don't know, The Witcher 3, and you see trees actually moving by you on the right and left, but you're just playing the game normally. I think that's very, very interesting. I guess and that could be cool. I mean, it could be interesting from uh, like a, like racing games too because you already get that. Yeah that blur going on around you. And I can think that could be a little more, more engaging. Um, I think it's very interesting. I don't know if it's worth the money right right now, but it is an interesting technology and what it's trying to do. Like, like I said, it's from a practicality standpoint, I think this might actually be a little more practical than, than say VR uh, because all you do is project it on the wall. And now everything becomes a more immersive experience, which I think is really interesting. But at the same time, VR has the ability to completely take you out of your own world and put you into something immediately, whereas this is just an attempt to help you get into a world that you may not otherwise be feeling. Yeah. I could see this being on the level of, like, you know, people have their own dedicated, like, movie theater rooms where they have their awesome screen or projector and they got their really comfortable couch and they have their surround sound going on. I could see this being like an additional piece to that experience, you know, that, that movie theater room, like people are all about having this movie theater feel. Now this carries that even further. So, yeah. Yeah. I I think this is, there's a reason why this one won the best gaming category of CES. And I think it's because it is one of the most practical Really looking one to one with everything else, so I don't know. Awesome. Maybe I'm gonna buy it. If you do, I'm gonna come try it, and I'll probably fall in love with it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's I mean, probably gonna happen eventually when I'm making a bajillion thousand dollars. But that may never happen. A bajillion, yeah. <laughs> a bajillion thousand. All that right. That does it for CES, right? Yeah, that does it for CES. Let's move on to some other exciting news, such as. Grand Theft Auto. You guys remember that game? <laughs> I, I do remember Grand Theft Auto. Well, one of the coolest things about Grand Theft Auto is how much life it has after, like a year or two after it's been released, specifically on PC, because Grand Theft Auto has always been a heavily modded game. And thanks to modders, they have built a add-on to Grand Theft Auto V that brings Grand Theft Auto IV's Liberty City into the world of Grand Theft Auto V. So... People must love that. Yeah. It sounds super cool. So not only is your world huge already, but now you can go across the water, across the sea, the ocean, into Liberty City recreated in Grand Theft Auto V. That's massive. Absolutely massive. How How do you travel across that? Because that... It's, I don't know how far it is, but you just jump in a boat. Just ride a boat over there. Good to go. <laughs> just take a boat ride in, in GTA. Just boat it over there. Yeah. They got speed boats and stuff. 
speedboats. Oh, I, I went straight to like a ferry in my head. Oh, <laughs> like you're just riding it with all these other that just GTA. That would be hilarious, though. That would be hilarious. <laughs> all right. Well, I want to go over to uh, Liberty City, so I guess I'll just step away for probably two hours while I take this ferry ride over to... I'll go make a sandwich. A sandwich. Yep. That so could be cool, cool though. That's okay. very that's a, a huge world. Yeah. So it's it's good stuff. Uh in other news, we also have Steam. You guys know Steam, PC game. Do you know Steam World. They deliver awesome games. They are about to add an update that will allow you to use a controller for virtually any game in the library. It just is a big game changer. Because a lot of people like playing on the controller or using controllers. A lot of people love playing with controllers in their hands. Yeah. And right now there's a lot of limited, there's a few games you can play with a controller. But now you'll be able to add that functionality to almost any game in the system. That's that's a big deal. So do you have a preference? Do you prefer to have controller over mouse keyboard? I do have a preference, and it depends on the game. First-person shooters, I'm all about mouse and keyboard. Like, I can't... I I struggle so badly with it. But if I'm playing, like, a third-person action-adventure game, like if I'm playing, like, Uncharted or Assassin's Creed or Watch Dogs or whatever, I'd rather have a controller. Uh I think that's a lot better and easier. That's fair. Yeah. And racing games, I obviously prefer a controller because it's the next (laughs) thing... I mean, it's... Yeah. Keyboard's weird. Yeah. Yeah, so it's at least somewhat close to holding a wheel in your hand. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, not quite there, but just a little bit. But uh, yeah, um, next story we have is Conan, Clueless Gamer. You guys seen this? Oh man, yeah. it's actually yeah. really funny. It's He's hilarious. hilarious. Yeah, it's a really interesting little skit, and now that skit is now becoming a full television show, which is just perfect to me. Like there, the progression of it. Like I, I bet he himself didn't anticipate Clueless Gamer being as popular as it is. No. And one, it's funny to have him try to play games. Two, it's really cool when he gets celebrities involved. And I guess this was just the natural course that it was going to take. Is that it got so popular that you know, let's just make this a thing. Let's just make this permanent. Let's make it its own entity. Yeah. So here's the interesting thing with that is one, Conan is not going to be on it. And two, I don't know how this is going to translate into a TV show because for like a five minute video, it's perfect. Like that five minute experience of jumping in there, watching a clueless gamer. It's awesome. But, and you know, we're, we're trying a similar concept with this, with our upcoming backseat gamer thing. You know, that's going to be a longer form video. I don't, this is a TV show. I don't know how that's going to translate because people are used to seeing this as a short experience. Yeah. Is I wonder it, if they just don't know their audience. And the, TBS is, is Conan, right? Yeah. They also stream E-League. So they stream CSGO and Overwatch and stuff. I wonder if this just isn't a... I don't. Well, one, I don't know how they're going to make it into a full TV show. I think it's possible. But it's not going to be the original Clueless Gamer like we know it. Right. It's unfortunate because I do agree the five-minute thing is awesome. But I don't know. I think they see that they have an interesting demographic at you know Fridays late night when most people are watching, or at least most gamers are watching Twitch and stuff. They might be able to capitalize on it. Yeah, it's possible. We'll see what happens. So anyway, 
Debbie, you want to talk about some new update? Or actually, both of you guys. Hell yeah, we do. Experience so more. So finally, uh, the holiday season is over. And the Overwatch holiday um, celebration is also behind us, which I don't know if anybody here at this table got to have, un- got to unlock any of the cool winter stuff besides me. No. No? Nope. No, I, I didn't play at all during the what? celebration. Yeah, I didn't oh, either. Man. It was that really was bad. Fun. I got most of it, not all of it, though. However, shortly after it's uh, after our snow has melted and the game is resuming its normal operations, we have a new update on the horizon for Overwatch, which is going to be coming fully equipped with some character tweaks as well as the new map, Oasis. Um, Luis, you got to have some time with Oasis. How you like it? I played it like once or twice, and I think it's very interesting. It is a control map, so you have to capture the point twice in quick play and three times uh, competitive. There's a lot of diversity. They've added in some really neat, like gimmicky kind of things, like the car highway off to the side that can kill you if you get trapped in it, and like a little trampoline kind of thing, which is interesting. I think that's the direction Overwatch is going to head. There really isn't that kind of gimmicky stuff across all of the other levels, at least not in a way that's as different as Oasis. Overall, I think it's a very balanced map. Yeah, You just really need to study up on where everything is. There's a lot of high, there's a lot of low, but the biggest thing is it's very circular. It's almost concentric circles in a lot of parts and very easy to flank the other opposing team. So very interesting. Right. Still not my favorite. I can wall. I said the same thing when I can wall came out, but that one has grown on me, and I like that one now. But good, I like. I think it's interesting. I, I am hopefully going to play it some more today, and uh, hopefully they continue to make cool maps like this one. Indeed, I'm looking very forward to it. So, uh, along with the new map, and thank you, Louise, for that. But along with the new map, we have some character tweaks uh, coming, uh, some updates with some nerfs and some buffs. So. Uh, I'm just going to kind of rapid fire these out here just so everyone can get an idea. Roadhog's hook is going to be uh, quote-unquote fixed. Um, Previously, players snagged by Roadhog's hook were sometimes baffled at how it seemed to traverse the fourth dimension to pull them through uh, various things like walls. They'd They'd get slammed through vehicles or other uh, blocking obstructions. Uh, right to Roadhog, so they're going to be fixing that, uh, and it's all kind of based on a line of sight uh, for the hook itself. So uh, there's going to be a consistent line of sight needed, and it's going to be straight line to Roadhog in front of him, not just in his general direction. So that's it's going to be kind of interesting. Some Roadhog people, such as myself, I don't see this as a huge deal. Um, In fact, I can honestly say I don't think I've actually ever seen me pull people through walls. Mm -mm. I find that interesting. I've never seen that either. Yeah. But apparently it's a thing. Yeah. But uh, D.Va has also uh, got some changes. Uh, Her health is increasing from 200 to 400, and her armor is decreasing from 400 to 200. Mm -hmm. Uh, So her... HP is staying her her overall HP is staying the same however the shift is going away from armor to hit points so she's not going to have as many shields mm. 
Um, there's uh, some talk about Sombra is going to get her hack ability extended, which I don't think it needs because it's BS. <laughs> you hate it already. I do. God, it's infuriating. And I feel like it can be like it's it's got it's so long already. Yeah. But anyways, Sombra, uh, Sombra players know the frustration of getting the drop on an enemy, trying to hack them, only to have them turn around and annihilate them. So uh, they're looking to decrease the hack time to 0.8 seconds, which is pretty damn quick. <laughs> it's so crazy how the, these little minuscule changes can have such a big effect well, on I mean, the game. Louise, have you have you I've played Sombra enough during like the random hero portion of it where I got to actually mm-hmm. witness mm-hmm. what it's like to hack. And it's it's I mean, you gotta line up your targeting on that character and hold down the trigger while she's hacking, and it takes a while. So mm-hmm. in a pinch and like in some high intensity matches, it can get tough. You're sitting there thinking, Oh crap, I I hope I land this. Mm-hmm. See, I've only been playing for the last two days again. And uh, I've run into Sombra a few times. Really not all that uh, annoying to me, at least. At least that maybe I haven't played a good Sombra yet. But when I played her, I didn't really like her mobility all that much. But I do agree on them shortening the time that it takes for the, her to actually hack people. Um, I don't know. Overall, I just think the updates that they're making are needed, but not entirely necessary. Right. Um, in addition, Anna's biotic grenade, uh, is coming with a 50% nerf to the health boost from her bionade. So, um, you know, she used to throw out that grenade and like almost just pull people back from the brink of death, like instantaneous. So that's going to get nerfed, hit with the nerf bat. So what it gets moved down to, I have no idea. Um, and then just some stuff that may or may not happen for consoles. There's going to be stuff like extras on the emote wheel and then the hero kill feed. So we'll see what happens with that portion here in the future. And cool. that's it for Overwatch. Well, then, let's wrap up this segment and move on to move on to some tops or not top stories. What am I saying? Discussion topic, Ooh. which is about video games. An education this time around. Yeah. That's going to be pretty cool. It's going to be interesting. Nice, nice, different little chat. Uh, also, make sure you guys, again, as we mentioned earlier, go check out our blog where we talk about all kinds of new stuff with video games, ideas, experiences that we've had at net. And with that said, we're going to take a break and come back with our discussion. We'll be back. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. And welcome back, everyone. Thank you for sticking around with us. And we are here for our discussion topic today. Now, what we wanted to talk about this week is going to be something that is very interesting, but also very difficult. Um, difficult in the way of uh, at least logistics, how this would work out. But we wanted to talk about video games and education. And you know, there's a reason uh, I chose this topic this week was because the idea of video games being used in education, I think is something completely underutilized in today's youth. And it needs to be a prominent way of how children learn. Um, That being the case, you know, there's still some uh, obstructions that we come across with 
the stigma attached to video games or at least the, the logistics of getting video games into a classroom to help educate. But um, the idea of video games being used in education is something I have seen very little of, but when I see it, I think it's friggin' magical when I see it actually in practice. Um, and I want to see it more because we live in an, in a society now, like we, in, in our uh, news segment just moments ago, we went over a ton of, uh, tech from CES and we're talking stuff like new TVs that are so thin, like a dollar bill could be placed up against it. You know what I mean? And yep. We are using it for our own personal entertainment, but I feel like we're squandering ourselves for not using it to to educate. So that being the case, I've also seen some studies, which is, <laughs> I'm going to use air quotes, studies of children... Uh, learning differently nowadays. Uh, the way of education has changed dramatically from, you know, you think probably 15, 20, maybe even 30 years ago. Um, the classroom mentality is still there, but the means to which the teacher educates children is wildly different. Um, I can think back to some of my teacher's using videos and i mean hell who didn't love it when the teacher wheeled in the the tv and vcr in their classroom i mean that was like a great day awesome i get to watch a movie now i got excited because i was thinking cool i get to watch a movie maybe i won't, I won't have to do that much work but the more i thought about it the more i thought you know what anytime i've watched a movie that had to deal with education i remember it vividly like I remember those lessons. I can look back and and list off a majority of the videos I watched that helped me learn something in class. Now, is that just me, or do you think you guys could say the same? I think it's just you. <laughs> no, I no, I'm just kidding. Thanks. I, All I, right. I, well, that's yeah. our discussion this week. <laughs> I I do remember some of the videos that we watched. Granted, the hard part though with that was especially in public schools, the media that they can show us or do show us is always so old. Yeah. And like back in the day that it doesn't, didn't resonate with me as well as it could have. Right. You know, with, with if they were to really push this harder and further and develop it more, I think that would, that's huge. So, so I think the video game discussion about education is really good because, I mean, people. I was. I just read read something that people spend. The average American spends five hours a day in front of the television. Yeah, that's a lot of time. That's in front a of the lot TV. of time in front of the TV. And if they could play, like, I mean, it's hard to watch a movie or a TV show, and if you realize you're really learn. I mean, it's hard to find somebody that's going to play like watch a documentary in front of, on front of the television. Sure, sometimes it will, but sometimes not. Like a game, if you can present it in a way that's 
engaging enough to where they're having fun. Yeah. But then they're also learning something. That's really cool. It's really powerful. Yeah. It's a lot that can happen there. And that's and that's something that I I notice in in my own personal life. I see this with uh, I have a very large family, a very large family, and I have a lot of nieces and nephews, uh, ranging wildly in age. I have a teenage nephew who is um, in band and very into video games and plays on his DS all the time. I also have nieces who are you know learning how to crawl. In, in that range of my family, every single one of them, every single one, the toddlers included, know how to accurately and very, very quickly navigate like iPads and TVs and remotes. And they can manipulate this technology so well. Why aren't we using that? It's funny. Um, you know, you don't see that a lot. Again, public schools. I mean, well, this is a public school too, but my coworker, she has two kids. One's 13 and one's 10, I believe. And they are going to a school here in the DFW area. Right. And they're teaching things a little different. They, I don't know where their funding comes from. They're making banks somewhere somehow. <laughs> but they have some of the coolest stuff in their classroom that helps these kids learn. And they they push the idea a lot of children should not be stifled by what they want to do. Like if they're really interested in the certain subject matter, like they cultivate that and they encourage them to explore that further in the classroom, which I think is really awesome. Every kid gets an iPad to use in class. Every single kid gets an iPad. They have touchscreen televisions in the classroom instead of chalkboards. Right. They I mean huge like 70 plus inch touchscreen televisions that they can interact with and play with and stuff like that. And on these iPads are educational games that they're playing in class that you know when they take them home they can rent those and I mean they don't they don't rent them but they get them for the semester and they can take them home with them. So basically they were given an iPad for school and they just have to check it out every day and bring mm-hmm. it bring it home. Yeah. But they're using that in class, and apparently it's been really effective because these kids, I mean, she's got a kid that's in, I want to say, fourth or fifth grade that's, like, programming Java. Oh, my god! Like, writing Java code and stuff like that already. What the hell? And they're using it through, like, gamified applications on their phone, on their their tablet. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. And it's it's fascinating. And they're using Minecraft, too, a lot as, like, a means to push these ideas for, like, people are coding things that affect their Minecraft game. And that's brilliant because that's an easy game to modify if you want to because it's just written in Java. And here they are able to manipulate that experience mm-hmm. of what they've been playing all, like all night the night before anyway yeah. so you know that kind of stuff is really really interesting and you know i i i see the way that our youth today interacts with technology and i i i, I want to see more of stuff like that i want to see more kids who are you know a fraction of my age and can Right and friggin' job. That's insane. That's that, that's that's mind blowing. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of took it upon myself. I went ahead and looked up some of these um, uh, tidbits from uh, some st- some studies that have been 
done around the world. And I, this this is kind of the problem that we fa- that we run up against is that the the hard evidence out there is few and far between. And at this point, it's all speculation. We haven't seen enough hard data to support the fact to say that video games do in fact enhance education. Um, but there was a bit here. I'm going to pull it up. So basically, there is these strong uh, benefits that video games have shown in uh, children of a very influential age. They uh, Games promote critical thinking and problem-solving skills. There were kids that were placed in front of uh, a certain uh, set of video games, one being just your standard little adventure platform, uh, one game that was a puzzle game, and then one that was just your standard, uh, uh, not necessarily FPS, but a, f- a first-person experience uh, running around. I, 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 don't, I don't know the game. It's some very weird spelled Swedish something or other that I can't, <laughs> that I can't pronounce. That's okay. <laughs> but, you know, these, uh, these people took a risk and had these kids play these games, and they actually showed an increase in their testing scores um, just in, 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 the, in the scheme of critical thinking and problem solving. That's interesting. It is. Additionally, uh, and this is the second point they made, that uh, video games also promote creativity and a sense of accomplishment. Now, I, I know we can all speak to the sense of accomplishment, right? I mean, who doesn't love beating a game that's that you've been working on for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Imagine a game that took you a whole semester of school. I didn't do my homework. I, I had to beat this game. <laughs> I had to beat this game. <laughs> yeah. No, there's definitely a lot of lot of things in there that, especially, I hate using this phrase, but Dark Souls <laughs> has that ability to... Real, I mean, you work really, really hard yes. to achieve a goal. Very, very challenging games that yeah. end up with a large payoff. Yeah, once you get it, you're like, oh my gosh, I just made this yeah, happen. Yeah, kind of clicks. Yeah. But they, the promoting creativity and sense of accomplishment, that, that to me is speaking more not just in the realm of education, but just as a child's overall development. Um, as as some people would believe, at least the stigma that comes along with video games is that they're distracting and that they'll turn your brain into mush and that, you know, they're a waste of time and money and kids don't need to be playing them and we're grown adults and we need to st- stop playing video games. You know, I hear it all the time. But I I, I think that that is just such an uh, a, a toss-away to what could really be a great benefit to people. Um, I Yeah, I, I 100% agree, man. There's a lot of games that have little tidbits of lessons in everything that you do. Look at The Witness. Yeah. It, that's all cognitive skill. It's all remembering. It's almost like matching in it's a way. It's hard, too. Yeah, it's very, very hard. And there's other games. Uh, I'm going to bring it up again because I've played it for now 55 hours. Stardew Valley, where <laughs> that is the probably the biggest lesson in supply chain you could ever find in any video game ever, in meticulous planning, in 
looking to the future, but also living in the present. Those kinds of lessons, I think, are very invaluable. And like you've been saying and preaching this whole time, they really do need to be considered at least and not seen as just this ridiculous waste of time. Because I can already think of lessons on looking at a playthrough of one day in Stardew and saying what could have been done better, what should have been done instead. Right. How much that saves you, what that nets you over a certain amount of time. I mean, all of that can can really be put down on pen and paper, you know, spreadsheets. I sit all here, that kind of stuff. I sit here and think of someone like a history professor looking at uh, his classroom and playing Civilization and saying, "Okay, class, what do you think will happen next? What do you think happens next at this battle mm-hmm. at the Battle mm-hmm. of Sine? What do you think happens next?" And having a, uh, can you imagine that playing that in a game and having that interaction shown? Or experienced firsthand. Yeah. I mean, even a game like Uncharted, if you're talking about English class or compelling stories and developing characters and those kinds of lessons can be taught by, you know, scenes from Uncharted or scenes from The Last of Us or scenes from really any story driven game that has good writing and very compelling character building. I mean, even there, there's a lesson and whether or not it has to be necessarily geared towards children. I mean, Education, even in college, not necessarily video game related, but is very, very interesting when you think about what video games do from a motor skill standpoint, mm-hmm. from a cognitive standpoint, yeah. and really from a visual standpoint. There's really a lot to offer in each and every game. And it'll be interesting to see if anyone ever does something. But uh, God, I hope they do. Some, there can be some drawbacks, I'd imagine, though. Yeah, there are. There are, most certainly. And. Uh, you know, I'm sure we can speak to a, a lot of these, but uh, by that same institution, they actually listed out some of the drawbacks that video games have had over the years and probably why education has steered clear of them. Uh, one of which is video games can be distracting. Absolutely 100% agree. I mean, I know myself, we, we all have said this phrase at least once of, hang on, I'm almost done with this level. Hang on, I'm almost to a safe spot. That's distracting. Yep. And whatever, even if it's pulled us away from something as simple as taking out the garbage to going to a, a dinner with family to missing a date to missing something, video games have been distracting. Yeah. Now, I think that kind of boils, can, can be focused and have people of all ages engage heavily and become a part of this and and regu- not necessarily regulate it, but at least be involved in it to the point where they know that children, adults, and everybody alike need to look at video games and say, okay, this is something that we have to budget our time with and look at mm-hmm. and know mm-hmm. when to pull ourselves away or, or know when the lesson's over and stop playing or st- you know, stop the game at that point. I think there's also a level of control that can be put into certain situations. So, for example, don't allow a game, say if we're talking verbatim games that exist now, you can't take, you can't go home and play this game. We're going to leave it here. Your save is going to be here. Those kinds of things. Yeah. Those are some of the constraints you can put on it. You can also develop straight for the classroom. 
which is interesting because I've actually had a situation in college where I actually did play what would be considered a video game in class and had to write a paper about it. It was an investing video game, basically, where you had to make decisions and there were people who would get mad. There were people who would be happy when you made certain decisions. And it was basically a cause and effect type thing, almost point and click like, but there were lessons to be learned in how you invested your money, what you invested in, in how much you invested and with who, all those different types of things in this controlled environment that when I went home, I was craving to play it more and figure out what my future was going to look like. And if I was going to beat the game per se, but uh, I do agree that if I had it on my iPad and I could take it home with me as most of these institutions that are giving children iPads do, I'm going to be tempted to just play and play and play and play, especially if it's a game like Stardew or something like that. Right. Anything like it, but that doesn't look like there's any hard evidence yet, though. So there's not, I guess we'll unfortunately. To, uh, and there's uh, now the good news on that front is that there are people conducting hard research and gathering data to support claims like this. One of these individuals, uh, Jane McGonigal, um, a very, very uh, intelligent uh, individual who has multiple books, uh, Super Better, uh, Reality is Broken, um, a number of uh, pieces as well that she's written. And she's actually appeared on the Colbert Report in which she um, talks about uh, games from a very personal standpoint. And I'm going to do a quick quote here on this. In my 2016 uh, South by Southwest keynote, I give a one-hour master class and how to think like a futurist. What do you think about the future? To create something new, you have to be able to imagine how things can be different. And the future is a place where everything can be different. This talk, based on my work as a director of game and research and development at the, uh, at the Institute for the Future, is designed to, prov- uh, to prepare you to invent, innovate, create, and make a change, make a difference. And naturally, it ends in a massively multiplayer forecasting game. I mean, that, that is incredible to me. Someone who has really taken a chance and <laughs> I mean, the, uh, to take the criticism of what comes along with video games and to still staunchly stand in front of it and think, nope, I'm, I'm doing this for a reason and I think that this is going to serve a greater purpose here in the future as, and, and as she says, in the ways of innovation and the future of not just education, but just as us as a people. I mean, that's something very bravely done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which kind of brings me to the next and last drawback that video games carry with them is do we as gamers represent the community appropriately to support games as a legitimate tool for education? I hate to, I hate to even say it, <clears throat> but I think no. I agree. I, I think it's... We still haven't shipped. I mean, we're still in that rough patch of the overall idea behind games that people see that are not full time gamers or not regular gamers. Right. Is that you know you're you're playing a game that's something you do for fun. That's all it is, and that's all it ever will be. Yeah, that's like the mindset, and that needs to fundamentally shift mm-hmm. in people. And yeah. it is, I think, but it's just taking a lot of time to get yeah. there. But I could see when we're older and we're, you know, some of us are, I mean, like our children will probably be 
learning more from video games. Like they'll be mm-hmm. actively learning from video games because we're at that point now where gaming is get, becoming so mainstream of a thing. I mean, it's it's now being considered in the realms with movies and television. I mean, it's in its infancy of that, but it's still in there. And I think the more we push it towards falling in line with those concepts, I think the more people will be able to open it up to just realizing that there is something here. There's a lot of potential here. Mm-hmm. And right now it's just unexplored territory because right. people just think, oh, games are for fun and that's it. Yeah. And I, I, I know I myself am guilty of it to think, oh, man, I can't wait to get home, get get online with my friends and just play Overwatch for a couple hours. And as 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 we sit there talking online, I mean, we'd, if like if we win a match by a landslide, we're not sitting there thinking, okay, good game. No, we're like, oh, man, I'm embarrassed for that team. Oh, that was a crushing. Whoa, man, we we raffle stomped him. Man, we steamrolled that team. And I th- and and yeah, I like yeah, we have fun and we get into it and the, and the adrenaline gets pumping and we have a fun experience. But I'm not being a good representative of the gaming community. I don't think I could be a better one. I mean, we, it kind of goes hand in hand with a podcast a couple months ago when we talked about gatekeepers. But I, it, yeah, it, it's we we need to be showing people that video games are not just an art form, but they are as as normal as any other media that we have today. Be it books, TV, movies, music, whatever. They need to be treated the same, and they need to be given the same brevity into such a thing as the development of uh, of youth. Yeah. As rantingly crazy as I sound right now, I'm no, that's, sure that's that's good. I I agree with that. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. And I mean, what do you think we need to do to fix that? Like, what what it what is? I don't know if there is one. A final we need answer, to stop but... defending games as an art form. Okay. Like they they are art. That it, it, it that's just what it needs to just we we all need to get on the same page and say that video games are art and people just need to stop defending it. Um, that we we need to stop having to step up to the mic and and say to Congress or the public and defend it. No, it's it's done. We've done it. It's an art form, and we need to continue as such. I think. I think past that, it's gonna have to start. We're gonna have to start seeing trials of it it's going to be trial and error i think we're going to have to start seeing there and there's a couple of places out there there's the quest to learn school up in new york there's the columbia grammar and preparatory school both of these schools very much integrate video games into their uh uh into their into their scholastic programming where they have uh kids playing minecraft they have kids playing civilization they have kids playing. Um, uh, gosh, I can't remember uh, some very obscure video games, but they're again they're all based upon uh, interaction uh, and gaining intellectualism from it. Yeah. So we're starting to see some very small signs of it. It is still on the rise, but we're going to have to see it more. To a point where it can get maybe get put into some public schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the hardest part of the public school system is that they are 
getting something to become a thing is so much more complicated than like right. in a private school. Like right. they they don't update their textbooks for years. They don't <laughs> they don't change policies, and they're they still teach standardized testing, which I think is stupid. Yeah, but that's oh, that's ridiculous. a whole other conversation. Yeah, but yeah, that that's the hard part. Is I mean, it's gonna what can take two years in a private school will take 10 or 15 years in the public school system unless that area is willing to adapt and change and a lot of times they're not and that's that's unfortunate so but yeah i think it's definitely a necessity i think people should develop more if nothing else i mean they don't have to be in the school system but develop games built for kids that are more educational but not to where they feel like they are playing an educational game and did you notice i I noticed something that there's not many kids games anymore no it's true i mean there might be but we just don't see them too i mean yeah maybe i'm not looking for it but i just feel like i don't see any more games that are just like there's no such thing as like a triple a kids game yeah I mean, we we all know the go tos like Mario, but yeah, it's weird. It's really weird. I mean, like I guess now it's more like the con, like the I mean, the only kids games I can think of are Minecraft and then anything on the 3ds. Like I feel like <laughs> yeah. a lot of the Nintendo games are definitely more kids based games. But yeah, and console systems and stuff you don't really see that very often. But well, here's hoping. Um, I think we'd all agree here that we want to see games. Uh, make their way into the classroom at some point to further education. At least I do. So, yeah, um, it's a very uh, interesting market too. There's a lot of money in education. So yeah, there, there is. Really, there is really nothing stopping developers from just kind of changing gears a little bit and focusing on that. Overall, I think the education industry as a whole is like a trillion dollar industry. Textbooks themselves are probably in the tens of billions. The fact that games could essentially take the place of that in some way is pretty incredible. That is I mean, cool. The whole yeah. iPad thing already exists. Think about there's a lot of games coming to the iPad already. Like the Mega Man's are on your iPad. There's a lot of strategy games on your iPad. I don't know. I, I, I think it'll take everybody else seeing, as you were saying, video game is not it's an art form, but also as something a little bit more than that. It's really one of the few mediums that can really engage you on a on an interesting level. The only one that allows you to interact with information as you're given it as opposed to reading it in a textbook or right. watching it on the television, whether or not it's 50 years old or whatever. You know how those videos are, as you mentioned earlier. They roll in the VCR and everything. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Old school. But yeah, video games have a lot to offer Maybe they're not called video games if they're educational at that point, unless they're. I was thinking about that. On my, I was thinking about that on my way here. I was like, "Man, can we even call it a video game anymore if it's if it's being used in something like education? <laughs> Is it like it, an an interactive lesson? Yeah, that's basically what they would have to say. But I don't and, know if you even want to. I mean, if you disguise it as a video game. You might get more people on board. It's true, man. There's oh god, there's stuff. There's so much stuff about this. Like the peop, the public's view has to change about video games. It has to. Yep. Well, well, that's enough crazy time. educational rambling for bringing me. this to a close. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, that's our talk on video games in education. So if you guys have anything to add to what we've talked about here, feel free to email us at hello at We would love to hear from you. More thoughts on that stuff to share places that you know are doing this kind of stuff now and pushing education in the school system. Yeah, like, I'd love to know if know. anybody knows it out there. If like your kids or if you're a kid and you're playing video games at school, let us know. Yeah. Maybe the Montessori's or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think they do some stuff like that. Um, anyway, that wraps up our show, everybody. Again, this Friday, January 13th, if you are in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, come by our meetup at Community Brewery. We are going to be there from 6 to 10, and we'll be playing games like Super Smash Brothers, probably some Mario Kart, maybe some other games. Who knows what else? There will be beer flowing. There will be people talking. There will be games playing, and it'll be a blast. Yeah, we're going to... I think Community pretty much knows us by name now. Yeah, they yeah. recognized me when I came in yesterday. I was like, hey, what's up? And they were like, yeah, what's up? Welcome back. Oh, my gosh. You're cool. Is that because of the inner gamer? Or is that because you drink beer all the time there? Uh, it's because of the inner gamer. Yeah. Are you sure? That's probably both. Are you sure? There yeah. we go. Yeah. Uh, also, we do have a Patreon set up, which is a way for you, our listeners, to donate to the cause in order to bring you all the great content you want to see and hear. Plus, if you do support us, we have some awesome rewards waiting for you, such as signed T-shirts, being a guest on the podcast, or even joining us for a D&D session, or maybe even a live Twitch stream. So please head on over to theinnergamer.net and click the box that says Donate. And also, make sure you go to our website, theinnergamer.net, to follow us on social medias, read our blog, check out our videos, watch old podcasts, listen to old podcasts. Yeah, me and Luis had a really fun time this last Thursday playing uh, Helldivers. Helldivers, man. That that mission (laughs) took about an hour and a half, but it felt so great to finally finish it. It took us forever for one mission. We just got raffle stopped by these stupid bugs. Yeah, so every Thursday, tune into our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash... The Inner Gamer Cast? Yep, the Inner yep, Gamer Cast. Correct. That's correct. I got it right this time. Pretty Good job. Awesome. Yeah, proud of myself. Pat myself on the back. Good job. Pat, Pat. All right. Well, and guys, thanks for joining us. We'll see y'all next week. My name is Devin Dury. My name is Brightonoski. And my name is Luis Gonzalez. And you've been listening to The, the Inner Gamer. Gamer. The Inner Gamer. Oh, sorry. <sighs> so late there. last Stupid time when Scott I was delay. Like, editing this thing, I think I couldn't tell if Louise was on cue with us or not. So I tried to finagle it to make it sound like he was on cue. But then I think he just wasn't on purpose. I wasn't. So you yeah. spent all that time editing like an yeah, ass. Yeah, it oh. drove me nuts. Oh, man. I was like, this is not fitting. It won't work. Why does this not go together? <laughs> oh, man. No, it was, it was frustrating. We, we try to make just your like job easy for you, Brett. We really do. Clearly. I love how every time we say it too, we're getting like less and less enthusiastic. We're like, we need to get really stoked for this next one, guys. Next time we're gonna get so pumped up, super pumped up. We're gonna get a drum roll in there. (laughs) The Intergamer. Ooh, we have our uh, we have a special guest next week too.
I can't do it anymore. I had no more breath. <laughs> well, you're also like got cedar shoved into your nasal cavities right now, so it's hard for you to do. Yeah, cedar. It's, like, it's coming back to me, dude. It's because I keep leaving my room, and my room is the safe space. So whenever I go to my restroom, it's like, ah, oh, cedar. <laughs> 